Hello, and welcome to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. And now, here are some thoughts from our dad, Brad McClure. Hello, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. So glad you chose to join us once again this week. I hope you're having a great week. I'm having a wonderful week. Our church is having revival meetings, or has had revival meetings. And as I mentioned on the Sunday podcast, one of my favorite weeks of the year, or times of the year, and this week has been no disappointment. Just some great preaching, and God has been definitely working in my heart. And so, I'm a I'm I'm kind of filled up right now, and I'm just gonna pour it out onto the podcast today. Now, I'm not going to talk about in today's podcast the revival meetings, though I may share one quote from it, or at least a rough quote because I didn't put any notes in front of me, but. I want to continue and kind of wrap up my little personal study about David in the cave. We've seen already David alone in the cave, and that'll come back up today. But in the very first one, when we saw David in the cave of Adullam, he was alone at first, and God brought some people. Remember, he brought the people that were in debt and in distress, and their families had been destroyed by Saul. And God brought these people that looks like a ragtag group of people, and he brought them to David. About, was it 400 of them? And he brought David's family to him to encourage him. I wonder sometimes if David didn't write this psalm that we're going to read today before that moment. Because he talks about being alone. We'll get to that in a second. But then we also looked at David singing in the cave last week, and and. And this was a time when David was in the cave again, but he was singing and he was talking, declaring that his heart is fixed upon God. This week, we're going to go to the the last psalm that he penned while in the cave. There was two times he was in a cave. He was in the cave of Adullam, and then shortly after that, he was in the cave of En Gedi. It's in 1 Samuel 22 and also in 1 Samuel 24. And so I kind of think that he was in the cave of Adullam here. But some think he was in the cave of Engedi. Either way, he's in a cave alone, and that's what's kind of led me to this. Just on my own, just study and thinking about what does a man who's eventually called a man after God's own heart do when he's alone in a cave? Running from the king, Saul, stressed out with life. What does he do? He's singing. He's writing. And so... This psalm, he's a little bit more transparent. He's a little bit more open about the struggle that he's facing. And listen, I'm in Psalm 142. It's it's this inscription on here says, Refuge in the Lord. It's miskill or instruction of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. There's only seven verses, and he starts by saying this. He says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I I think he's saying here that I think he literally prayed out loud. Do you ever do this? Do you ever just pray out loud? My morning car rides are me praying out loud. I think I've said on the podcast before, if you drive by me, which I've had someone say that they've drove by me in the mornings, and I immediately thought, I wonder if they thought I was crazy. Because I have some out loud prayer meetings with God when I'm driving. And I just voice 
unto the Lord, as we're going to see here, my complaints. I voice to him my concerns. I voice to him my praises. But I like to use my voice and cry unto the Lord in my little car rides by myself. And I do every once in a while kind of look back to see, is there anyone in my car that maybe was going to prank me? Or I, I get that. I don't know why. I get self-conscious like that sometimes. But, but David was in this cave and he cried unto the Lord with his voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Then he says, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Now let me ask you, did David show his trouble to God and then all of a sudden God was like, oh, I didn't see that. I did not know that. No. Did David pour out his complaint to God and God say, oh, I, I just didn't know it was bothering you that bad. You know, you'll have that sometimes with your spouse when you just say, hey, can I just tell you something that's been bothering me? And you say, and they're like, I had no idea it was bothering you like that. I don't think David came to God here with his complaint and God been, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know it was struggle. You were struggling with that. God knows. So what's David saying? Even though God knows all, he wants us to cry out to him. It shows our dependence to him. And David poured it out. He showed God, here's my struggles. And verse three says, when my spirit was overwhelmed, there's that word overwhelmed. I told you once I wrote a blog post, three part blog post about being overwhelmed and randomly all the time I'll have, you can see in the stats, you'll see someone just go to there and they read it. I don't know who it is. I just, you can see people. That's the one that, that's the one blog post that people seem to go back to or new people. I, you know what, what it is? is what I'm trying to get at if you don't really know technology too much, and I don't either, but people Google being overwhelmed, and it takes them to that blog post. There's a lot of people overwhelmed in our society, and I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast are overwhelmed. I think the guy talking to you in this podcast gets overwhelmed. And David said, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. This is both good and bad, I think. I mean, good and bad is maybe the wrong ways to describe it. It's it's good to know, but it's painful to know. Because, as you may hear in a minute, my dog is with me and she's got her toy, but we're going to let it go. But I think it's both good and can be painful because David said, God, I'm overwhelmed. Everything within me is overwhelmed. But you know my path. And so it's like he's saying, in the good sense, if you want to go with a positive perspective, it's God, I am overwhelmed right now, but you are in control and you know the path ahead. You know what your plan is for me and I'm trusting and depending upon you because you know the path ahead. I may not be able to see it. Like the song my dad sings a lot. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow. So he could have been saying, you know what, I don't know the path. I'm just overwhelmed, but God, you know the path. He could have. Or he, in the negative sense, which I've done sometimes when I'm praying out loud in my car, frustrated, to giving my complaint to God that I'm overwhelmed. And, I'll, and sometimes I'll get to the mindset saying, God, you already know what's going to happen. So why, and this is a dumb statement. I'm not saying what I'm about to say right now is biblical or godly or worthy of a guy behind this podcast teaching the Bible. It's dumb, but you know what? We all have our dumb moments. Sometimes they'll say, God, you already know what's going to happen, so just get us there and, 
and just I so we don't have to feel so confused and overwhelmed. Just let's just get through this. You know what's dumb about my statement? It's the it's the pain that you feel in the trials that's drawing you close to God. That's making you more like Christ. That's teaching you dependence upon God. And you can push away that pain all you want and try to fight it. Or you can embrace Christ in the pain. And so he said, God, you know the path. You know in the way wherein I walk, have they privily laid stare for me. God, you know that they are... They have tried to snare me and they are sneaky about what they're doing. And God, you know this. But then it gets even more depressing in a sense. He says in verse four, I looked to my right hand, beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Boy, he's alone. That's why I wonder if he wrote this in the cave of Adullam before his family came and before these 400 men came. I wonder if he sat in that cave alone and said, God, there's no one here. I think David's a family of eight. He has all those brothers, a big family when he was growing up. He had the promise on him from about, I don't know, 14 to 16 years old that he's going to be the next king. So excited he was the king's bodyguard or the body yeah i'll just call him the bodyguard he was the king's music player for a while and now he has come to the point in his life where he's alone in a cave and he looks to his right no one's there he looks to his left no one's there he says it feels like nobody cares for my soul have you ever been there have you ever been alone and felt alone i say the word felt because there's sometimes that Satan gets us to believe that we are more alone than what we really are. David was about to realize that. So often when we're discouraged and overwhelmed and depressed, we'll say that nobody cares. And there really are some people that care. Maybe they haven't reached out. Maybe they don't know how to reach out. But there's people that care. Thankful in my life, as I've said on here many times, God has, God has surrounded me which i think that verse that that phrase comes up at the end that's why i pause there for a second i think it makes good application there but i think god has put people around me to definitely help me over the last four or five years going through difficult times but i believe that god has people in your life as well you have to embrace that you have to be willing to open up and talk but but in david's situation right now he said he had no one that cared for his soul he said i cried unto thee so he turned to god and I like his comment. He said, oh, Lord, I said, thou art my refuge. So he's saying it's a different word than the word refuge that was used in the previous verse. He says, refuge failed me in the sense that word meant I have nowhere to retreat. I know where to go. And so now he's saying, but God, you are my refuge. And then my portion in the land of the living. A portion was like an inheritance that they would receive. It was something that they would look forward to. I mean, you're inheriting, remember, Remember the man in the in the the parable that Jesus gave of the prodigal son. He said, "Give me my inheritance, the my portion." That was something they looked forward to. But what he's saying here is, God, you are my passion. You are what I look forward to. You are my inheritance. You are my portion. 
but David, you're, you're depressed. Yes, but God's still my portion. But David, you, you are alone. Yes, but God is still my portion. You're overwhelmed and you're complaining. Yes, but his eyes are still fixed. Like he said in, in Psalm 57, was it? My, my heart is still fixed on Jesus, on God. And that's the difference between David depressed and overwhelmed in a cave and many times Brad depressed and overwhelmed in a cave. I don't follow up my complaints all the time and my crying out about being overwhelmed with this statement of, but God, you are my pursuit and my passion, my portion. Yeah, oh, maybe sometimes I do. I mean, the very fact that we're coming to God in prayer may be that we're depending upon him and realizing he's our refuge. But that's the key. The heartbeat here is, God may not take away the storms, but are we content to rest in the refuge of Jesus? He said, attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. There's his request, for they are stronger than I. He doesn't try to be tough and strong. He just admits, God, I'm weak right now. Well, that's a good place to be because thousands of years later, Paul's going to pin these words, when I'm weak, he's strong. Jesus would say, when you're weak, I'm strong. And so David was in a pretty good place. You say, what? He's complaining. He's overwhelmed. He's weak. He admits he's weak. That's not a good thing. No, he's in a good place because he's not trying to overcome in his own strength. He's pouring out his soul to God saying, God, I desperately need you. He says, they are stronger than I bring my soul out of prison. He said, I just feel like I'm in a prison. Well, can you identify with that word? You ever felt like you were in a prison to your circumstances? He says, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. He already has predetermined that, God, I'm going to praise your name. On the other side of this prison that I'm in right now called life, I'm going to praise your name. And then he says this. This is what I got a little sidetracked thinking about a minute ago. He says, the righteous shall come past me about. He says, God, I realize that you're going to put people around me that are righteous. Boy, am I thankful that God has put some righteous people around me, some godly people in my life to help me. He says, I know you're going to do that, God. He says, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. And that's where he ends it. He says, God, I know you're going to deal bountifully with me. You're going to treat me well. I know that to be true. And that's a great place to stop this psalm where he is crying out and and he's compla- bringing his complaints to God and he's talking about being overwhelmed and he's talking about no one caring for his soul because a lot of people don't stop after that and say, God, I know though that you're going to be good to me. A lot of us shake our fist to God and say, God, you are a terrible God. I don't even know if there's a God up there. That's not David. David admitted he was very transparent. I'm overwhelmed. My heart is just full of complaint. I'm weak. I I have nobody. I'm all alone. But God, my refuge is in you. I'm going to praise you. And I know you're going to treat me good. I'm going to trust you in this storm. I don't know where you are, but I've spent a few weeks talking about David in a cave. He was alone with the ability to sing to write some notes down while he's all alone. That interests me. I know he's he's got to be going through the ringer. It's so difficult. You had such high expectations, and now you're alone in a cave. 
But his conclusion is, God's good. And God's going to treat me right. I'm going to keep trusting and praising God. So I don't know if you're in a cave today. I don't know if you feel like you're in a prison. But keep your eyes fixed upon God. Know that he loves you. Obey his word. Obey what you know he wants you to do. Forgive. Boy, that reminded me. I said I was going to give you a couple quotes. Let me finish with these. And these are rough quotes. I said the word forgive, and that's what triggered the, the one. The one is the evangelist said this week, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but he said, he said forgiveness, how did he word it? He said forgiveness is releasing another person and then realizing it was you that's been released. I'm wording that wrong, but it's in the sense of when you forgive, you hold all this bitterness towards, towards an individual or towards people. You hold all this bitterness then you decide to forgive them. You release them of their debt. And then you realize you're the one that's been released. They haven't been affected at all by your bitterness. It's only been hurting you. It's a great quote. But then I was reading just before I hit record here. I was just reading a little bit, a commentary. And in that commentary, they quoted Spurgeon. And Spurgeon made a great statement. And I don't want to end on a negative note about David. But here's what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said, David, if David would have prayed as much in the palace, that's the future, as he does here in the cave, he may not have had some of the problems he found in the palace. What are some problems he found in the palace? Well, he murdered, he committed adultery. A lot of things that we look and say, David, what are you doing? But you know, that's a lesson because when he got to the palace, he arrived. Oh, some of his problems were gone. He was king. He was rich. He was famous. And he wasn't drawing as close to God as he should. But here in the cave, he's alone. He's being chased. Nobody's with him. But he's walking close to God. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think life's going to be better on the other side of this storm. And it may just be that at the other side of this storm, we're going to be tempted to no longer need or look to or cry out to God. So Spurgeon hit a home run again when he said, if David would have prayed as hard in the palace as he did in this cave, he may not have had some of the problems that he found in the palace. So if you're in the cave today, keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you. I hope that you were encouraged by these lessons of David in the cave. And guess what? On Sunday, we begin a brand new series in my class that I will post on here on the epistles of John. First, second, and third John. I think it's going to be a help. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the ramblings, as I just said at the end, and I didn't mean to, but I did say at the end, I was going to save it for the ramblings, but that's all right. We are studying 1 John on Sunday. I'm excited about it. I've been kind of studying through 1 John for about three weeks now, but we're going to be studying through this, and why I'm excited about it is I, I did a... I did a study on this years ago. I've preached through the whole book, but I just want to restart. I just want to just hit reset, start all over, 
and just studied out again. I even ordered a, a new book that I'm working through as I study it. I've thought about putting together some outlines. I've thought about doing a YouTube on here about the study process. What does it look like? What is it? What if, what does it entail week to week and putting it on my YouTube page? But I don't know if I will. But I'm just excited about this new study and sharing it with you guys. So hope that you'll listen on Sundays. Hope, I mean, if you live close, then come to the class. Love to have you come to the class. But many of you are, several of you are in other states, countries, and that's all right. You can't get over here to the class. Well, we're going to post it on here. So study ahead. Study first, John. I think it's going to be a good study. Also sign up for the newsletter. Hope that you get that. If you if you say, hey, I signed up, I think, but I haven't been getting it, go to your junk mail. Check out your junk mail. It's probably sitting there in your junk mail. And uh, But I hope you get that. All right, I don't know what else. It's early. You know what I may go do? I may go do some mushroom hunting today because I'm recording this on a Wednesday. I'm off work. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. I may go do some mushroom hunting. So can't take you with me to do that. But thanks for listening to the podcast. Have a great week. Sunday, our brand new study. Be here for that. We'll talk to you later.